is it bad? I mean, I just want the world to appreciate some decent art. Yes, Jamie. <laughs> yes. We'll crack on. Have you briefed him before this, Ryan? No, I haven't. No, he sent me a direct message saying you were a bit of a tosser, but I acknowledge <laughs> it. I mean, you know, you're coming not towards the end yet, but progressing. <laughs> you're a bit like Joe for now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called a lot worse, I'll take that. When I play against you guys, you will be breathing out of your asses. <laughs> Love you, boys. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Broken Trophy podcast. I'm here for our pre-episode chat with Steph. Stefan, how are you doing? Love, loving life, loving life. And I'm, you know, how's how's it? How are you? More importantly, how are you feeling? You're going to be forty in what two days? You know, you're a young, youthful chap. You're about to hit a midlife crisis. Well, you were getting all buff, ready for your forty. <laughs> how's it yeah. working? Well, my sister does think I'm having a midlife crisis because on Monday I went for a run in the morning and then a cycle ride with you in the evening, and I made the mistake of saying, "Off, oh, we carry on like this, lads. We're going to look well buff, aren't we?" And then. As I was about 500 metres behind you on the cycle ride, I thought, yeah, not, maybe not so buff as I was hoping for. But ha- have you been out since? No, I, I, could, I literally couldn't. I, li- I was literally struggling to go up and down the stairs yesterday. It was embarrassing. It's, it was painful. So your buff campaign has gone really well? One day. One, One day. day well, you, look, it always takes a while for the benefits to show. So by the time we get to Saturday, you might find your body shape <laughs> has transformed dramatically, I'm sure. The muscle vest will be on on Saturday, I reckon. Exactly. You go, um, you go, are you going tight fit for your birthday or loose fitting? What are you going to go with? I think, uh, given what's probably going to happen on my birthday, I think loose fitting. I mean, it's going to be a lot of eating and drinking, isn't it? So There is. I think lo- loose fitting is best. And the, and the good thing is, you've got an afternoon of drinking and then speaking to your family in the evening. I mean, that's not going to go wrong. Nothing can go wrong with that. Absolutely nothing for a seasoned pro like myself, obviously. Right. Uh, and especially with you in presence, in my presence there. I'm exactly. sure you it's will guide, guide me through that, won't you? So Sean and I will be there as your friends to make sure you, you arrive in the evening. In the best possible state. Suitably um, <laughs> enjoying life, because your parents will love it if you turn up pissed. They will. They really will. They will. But they, are, they have been my parents for 40 years so they know exactly what i'm like unfortunately <laughs> i mean if i'm there if i'm your family i'm booking this in in the morning not the evening <laughs> well i did try <laughs> anyway what, what what have you been up to let's not talk about me all night say, apart from work a few bits and bobs i guess we went um bits and bobs so descriptive well no, a bit of cycling a bit of running a bit of canoeing i guess but um yeah i went i went for a canoe this morning with naomi she, she told me she'd read the tide times right oh no Tidal River. Um, we had to get out of our vessels and, and carry them at points. Oh my god! Very much like you know, it's like it's a bit like kind of the Sunday morning walk of shame. Right. Back, back in the day when you were younger. Yeah. You no, know, you spent the evening somewhere you shouldn't, and you're walking back Sunday morning in Saturday night's clothes. It's a bit like that, really, when you have to kind of get out of your canoe and carry it because you've just grounded it on the bottom. Oh my god. <laughs> If there were people there, in fact, the ducks were looking at us without <laughs> even the absolute ducks. bloody morons. You went out on a low tide, and you're surprised that you got you got to walk back. So wow! Yeah, it was, um, all fun again. We had quite that's, a giggle. That's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? It's pretty yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. And um, oh. but you're keeping fit, aren't you? You're doing a lot of exercise. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, but if you do exercise, it means it means the kids aren't anywhere near you. Yeah. See, that's good. That's a good um, plan. And of course, we've had the email this week. That school is going back. Primary school is going back a week Monday. How do you feel about that? Subject to government stuff. Yeah, subject to government stuff, obviously. But in principle, how do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. Get the kids to school. Hundred <laughs> percent. So send them anywhere. I don't really care. School. I don't know. Chimneys. Whatever we can find. It's the magic of having children, your children, close to you, like sort of evaporated a little bit by now lockdown's been a beautiful thing it has beautiful thing spending lots of time together you know it's been it's been harmonious <laughs> like, bit, bit like the music you know we've been running across hilltops arm in arm enjoying each other's company it's been lovely for about five <laughs> running minutes running along hilltops <laughs> <laughs> i could just imagine it now in fact <laughs> I, I could just imagine like either of us with our families and maybe starting that within about five yards one of our children will have tripped the other one out um, definitely there'd be then a fight, fight would have, yeah there'd have been a fight then mum would have been helping one up the other one would be shouting it uh, it would be yeah and in your case there'd be a dog dry humping something yeah probably yeah yeah probably rosie dry humping milo to be fair 
that's what normally happens yeah so yeah just carnage absolute carnage but yeah things are progressing lockdown is, is nearly i don't know if, next it phase. Bit, if it was a bit like we're coming towards the end yeah and yet it, it, and yet you sort of the plan you start thinking about oh i could actually start planning and, and you think i don't know it seems a bit weird to do that now it seems weird to plan anything doesn't it yeah, yeah, we're talking about holidays in August. Do you do you do you do you gamble and take some yeah. holiday in August and try and go somewhere, or do you just? I don't know. know. You Who know, knows? it's it's a weird, weird old world. I've never had so many weekends free. It's amazing. I know. Yeah, exactly. Like just just you know, you finish work and then you got nothing to do except record a podcast or just drink or drink. Yeah. But speaking of which, we have been <laughs> rampant. Speaking of drinking. Well, no. Speaking of recording podcasts, we have been rampant the last few weeks, haven't we? Yeah, I think that's, that's a like definitely... Like a rotting a great, stag. A, a great term for us. Rampant, rotting stags doing a podcast. Yeah, no, good. I think that, uh, that, uh, that Mirrors our private life, obviously. Of course. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been doing loads of interviews. It's been great. So this week, this, this week, Monday, we dropped our chat with Simon Jones, which was incredible, I thought. Amazing. So intense. Loved it. Yeah, he was he was on one, wasn't he? Yeah, I quite liked it at the start where we had we always have like a preamble, just a little bit of taking a little bit of magic away from what actually happens, but before the podcast is recorded, we always have a few minutes preamble with the guest, get them all comfy and make make sure they're ready. And he was all joshing around and making sure his phone was on charge or whatever. And then you said, right, we're going to get going, and he literally went and he was like, <laughs> he put his stare on, and it was, and he said, yeah, that's my bowling stare. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay fine no, it, was, it was a good laugh it was good and, and good um, yeah and then we've been interviewing this week yeah exactly which will be out next week but tonight's guest for this episode michael carberry hampshire legend it, it was it, it was good fun wasn't he? it's good yeah, very he interesting good. chat yeah he's good and we obviously we had to ask him about his helmet <laughs> we did. so many questions about why he wore a funny helmet and he gives quite a good explanation so he really uh, does he really does about, about michael carberry's helmet listen on and if you're wondering why he finished with England, then unequivocally, he discusses why and how that happened. Yeah. In, in well, quite... So that was a good chat. Yeah, it was. It was. So one to look forward to. Um, yeah, as you said, for the remainder of the week, we got in a couple of days my birthday. Of course, big, big, big time. Now, do we need to do a live, a live broadcast for your birthday or not? I think that's probably unadvisable because... It's not going to be pretty, is it? Let's face it. Exactly. So we could do like a video, like YouTube, you on your birthday, you know, everyone singing happy birthday around the world, you know. <laughs> yeah. Make it a better place. All of our thousands and thousands of guests will <laughs> come together in a virtual <laughs> sing-along. Exactly. Okay. Well, if you can arrange that, that would yeah, be great. Like a, like a giant kumbaya. <laughs> I'll get the guitar out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, maybe so, maybe until not. until until we uh, meet at our virtual birthday party. Yep. Here is our chat with Michael Carberry. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you again soon. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at the Broken Trophy and on Instagram at Broken Trophy Pods. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Hampshire legend and England batsman Michael Carberry. Michael, welcome to the pod. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. How are you going, guys? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're too, bad. good. too bad. Getting there. Lockdown has been going on for a long, long time now, but we're, we're yeah. sort of getting through it. But not, you know, Normally, we try and start off with a really gentle intro, but I've got to be honest with you, Ryan Sidebottom came straight at you with like, the first question. So who's got the best taste in music, you or Ryan? I think I remember. <laughs> he's, a cle- he's a clever sausage because he's got most of my music collection from... Um, <laughs> An A tour we went on to India like years ago, and I, I remember I, I gave Sid most of my um, iPod selection. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> Quality. Oh man, good man. Yeah, yeah we. I did, I did think of the speed at which he sent that question. I thought, okay, there's got to be something there. <laughs> yeah, because he know he knows most of his music is down to me. That's why. <laughs> you educated him, did I you? I know your tricks, Sid. Don't you worry, son. <laughs> we spoke to him last week. He didn't mention it at all. I don't know why. Yeah, funny, funny, though, isn't it? Yeah, funny. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, so Michael, what what have you been up to in lockdown? I know, you, obviously, in you know, post your cricket career, you've been you've been getting into your, to your art and stuff like that, other bits and bobs as well. What what have you been yeah. doing? 
through lockdown to keep yourself occupied? Um, well, I, 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 my main my main career at the moment is uh, trading. So I've been uh, trying to battle through the markets. Uh, it's all that, been a bit up and, I was up say, and down at the moment. Well, <laughs> last last month wasn't wasn't great, but I managed to scrape for a make a bit. This so far since the start of June, it's been okay. okay. Um, I think naturally because things are starting to open or there's talk of it so there's a bit more optimism around so markets are sort of starting to wake up a little bit so i've been trying to do that and i mean i've not been doing it that long so yeah uh, all kind of learning the ropes and um and that kind of stuff so there's a lot to do there's a lot to learn so go, going back to the start of your career michael um obviously you had an amazing time at hampshire um you know absolute legend at the club there but um you know Tell us, how you, tell us how it all started for you, getting into cricket. Um, I suppose the early experiences were uh, going to watch my dad, yeah. who was a King Club cricketer back in South London. Um, he's actually founder of a cricket, uh, a sort of wandering cricket team called Castletonians. Um, okay. So it was a, a pub in Wandsworth, I believe it was, that my dad and a few guys used to go and socialise at after work. <laughs> um, my mum didn't know anything about that, but um, <laughs> that's why. That's why. <laughs> and um, yeah, so yeah, they all loved cricket, obviously. But that came over in the, I think the fifties, late fifties, and obviously loved deep. You know, I had a deep love for cricket. He used to carry the players' bags at border ground in Guyana, where he's from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it started from there. They didn't have a ground, so we used to go and play teams at their at their ground and I was obviously it's from a toddler the guys there used to be throwing balls at me really very, very young so um, I suppose my first taste of organized cricket came um, probably about age eight age nine um, Surrey um, sent uh, the gentleman who was um, you know things to do with your kids in the summer holiday six week holiday so there was a, a week cricket camp run by a fella called Brian Ruby okay um, he came down to a local secondary school that was around the corner from where I grew up. So I went along for the week, had great fun. Um, and obviously Brian saw something there that, you know, he, he asked me if I belonged to a club. And I said, well, no, I just watched my dad, really. So, <laughs> uh, so it started from there. So he said, well, I'd like to invite you to trials um, in, out in some school in Guildford. Um, so my dad was dead excited, as you can imagine. You know, I'm the, I'm the last of five. So right. the fact that someone finally... <laughs> <laughs> my, bro my brothers had no interest. My sister had no interest. Really? So, yeah. So wow. the fact that the, me, the last one... Hang fire, hang fire. If we ask them, who are they going to say was the best cricketer? Like, <laughs> are they, they going to say I mean, you or are they going to say themselves? Oh, oh, well, I mean, come on. The stats are there, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know how families work. Stats, I don't give a shit about well, that. Well, all I'm saying, stats are there, right? <laughs> There's some match when you were like it. nine or ten and your brother got you out or something and he's still living off that right now. <laughs> he got dispatched half the time. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so, yeah, so I suppose, um, so, you know, my dad was dead excited as mum was. Um, so, I mean, we had no idea what we were walking into, to be honest. Yeah, you know, we'd never, never been a part of this sort of world that we were walking yeah. into. So I remember every Thursday evening, I had to sort of run, run home from school and um, quit. My dad had to rush out and get me some whites that were actually my size. Right. Um, pads, bat. I didn't have any equipment, really. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had to rush out, get me a bat, some gloves, um, you know, some whites, a bag, all that stuff. And we used to head down to... Yeah, he, he, must, crap. He, he must have loved that. He must have been like, Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was probably stoked, man. He, he, to say he, was, he was probably more excited than me if that was, if that was even possible. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would love that if you'd, if you'd have come out of there and gone, Nah, I didn't really like that. <laughs> That's yeah, not an option. <laughs> you would have been crushed. Um, so, yeah, so we used to go down there for 10 weeks. Every every Thursday night, getting you know, get formal coaching, and um, it's really I started meeting, I suppose, you know, fellow fellow domestic uh, colleagues, you know, likes of Scott Newman, Tim Murta, Ricky Clark, um, okay. at, 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 at training and that kind of stuff. So, um, and then in the summer, I was invited along to come and play some matches. So, 
yeah, so, I mean, the first year from what I can remember, I can go back that far. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't really get much of a battle. I generally batted sort of lower middle order. Um, and then for some, I, th- I think it's when the real quick guys came on. <laughs> Someone at the top didn't want to bat. It seems to be familiar with my life. You know? Like when the quick guys are on, I'll get shoved to the front. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd just end up opening the batting, getting a, getting a good score. And, that was that was kind of the start of Michael Carver the opener. Wow. Were there, were there other sports involved at the time? We've spoken to quite a few sportsmen. They've all kind of said, yeah, the majority have all said they had like you know, three, four other sports going at the mm. same time as cricket. And then yeah, at yeah. some point, either their dads have gone, you're really shit at football, play <laughs> cricket, or something like that. That's what kind yeah. of happened. They've kind of gone, yeah, we know you really like that one, but that's the one you've got to do. How, yeah. Were you playing those different sports or was it always just cricket? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I love. I, I was always a kid that loved sports. So it was. I mean, it's a, like sports day. I used to used to run the four by one hundred relay for my school. So I was last leg. Um, we, I mean, we had some guys that were grease lightning from around my area. Man, mm-hmm. they, they were seriously quick. Um, and then we. And then I, I. I enjoyed my football. Still enjoy my football. I'm a beleaguered Arsenal fan. Yeah, but I was yeah, decent sort of centre half, centre forward. Um you know, I tried my hand at everything, rugby, tennis, um whoa, 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 pause there, right? Yeah. Rugby, how do you find rugby? The best sport in the world. Uh, <laughs> well, I think rugby rugby was suggested, I guess, because the coach, whoever it was, I can't remember who it was. He, I think he played a bit of semi-pro rugby. I can't remember who he was, but said oh, he noticed that I had good pace. Yeah, he yeah. said, "Yeah, you should you should play on the." I think it's the flank. I think. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, so he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Just when you get the ball, run. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay," but yeah, I don't. I, I never really saw a future in 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 rugby. I'll, I'll be honest. Football, perhaps, but I'll say athletics. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe chance here being a good sprinter. Um, so yeah, I was always, I always loved sport. Like sport was, you know, when you know you grow, you, you know, I didn't grow up with my my big brothers and sisters. So you know, it was. Um, I suppose you have to learn to make play in your, you know, in your own way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so uh, yeah, I love sport. Sport was a massive. Your your siblings all going around saying, "I'm Michael Carberry's." Brother or sister, you know, the fucking England rugby. No, sorry, it's not rugby player. England cricket. That's, that's my brother. That is. Or are they? Yeah, like, yeah that, that came that came later on. Obviously, yeah, when yeah. You, know, you start to, you start to get picked for uh, obviously for the big teams, and you know your name is up in lights and that kind of stuff. You know, I suppose it's a proud moment. It's a proud moment for the family and um, you know people who've been supporting you from from suppose from the time you were born. Really, they've seen the whole the whole kind of journey. So, so what yeah, it was great. What was it about when you moved? Because I think you had, I think I'm right saying you had stints in, at Kent and, and Surrey, sort of in the, in the first teams and whatnot, or in and around. What was <laughs> what was it about your move to Hampshire and, and everything seemed to click? Um, it's a difficult because I think someone asked me about this the other day, and I said I think like you know I always look at like I look back now and I think you know the cricket career is a it's a journey, right? Yeah. And I say this to young players now that. I speak to from time to time and I think you know we, we live in a world now it's so much faster you know everyone wants to get there so much quicker but yeah, yeah. there's just certain things you just can't speed up and, and I think being a a master of your trade um, it takes time it takes years I think you've got to go through almost like a bit of a metamorphosis where you do make some mistakes um, you, you, you're not quite sure why you're making those mistakes you get a little bit stronger every season, then you start to work out why you're making those mistakes. You have a little bit more success, but you know, and then it sort of flips on its head, don't you? You, mm. you, you know why then you have success and you understand risk and you know all these kind of things. So for me, the start, let's say the Surrey, the Surrey days were where it was just a close shot. I mean, you know, you're battling against yeah, the yeah. absolute greats of our of our game and mm. probably one of the greatest county teams. Mm of its generation, you know, it just had everything. Um, And although it was frustrating not being able to play alongside those guys, but when I look back, I think it was vital learning for me, you know, so the light, you know, I'm sharing a change room with my boyhood heroes, you know, Graham Thorpe, Alex Stewart, 
um, these kind of guys. So watching them train, prepare, Martin Bicknell, you know, being able to speak to good county players like Ali Brown, obviously Adam Hollyoaks, um, you know, all these people. So it was great learning, even though I didn't play very much. And also I think in that time, you know, remember, you know, Surrey had a very good second team, mm. right? So there was fierce competition mm. back then as well. And, and second team cricket was a lot stronger. You know, you were, you were a young man playing against grown men. Yeah. You know, guys yeah. who, some of them had already played, you know, I think my first game was against Eddie Hemmings, who was a former England off spinner. Yeah, you know, played, you know, years for England and played 20 years of county cricket and just knew the game inside out. So that was the level you had to aspire to. You yeah. know? So it, it was fierce, competitive cricket. There were some very good cricketers around at that time. So it was really, you started to learn about keeping your standards high. You know, there was no... You know, you know, leaving the door open, you know, getting a pretty 70 or 80 in second team wasn't, wasn't necessarily going to get you a first team game. So I think it was, it was vital at that time for me to understand now that what you've done in youth cricket, you can put that, put that to one side now. This is, this is where the big boys play. This is, yeah. if you, you want to make it as a career, this is where it starts. So it's understanding now the mental side of the game as well as working out the technical side of the game as well. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, the first few years was a bit of a struggle. Um, you know, I was doing okay in the second team. I was getting scores, yes. But, again, you, you're, you're battling against, as I say, very good players. Yeah, yeah. You know, best of the best. So, I think the move to Kent was necessary. Um, you know, I was 22 at the time. I'd had five years on a great staff. Learned a lot. But I needed to spread my wings a bit. So... And also, I think also getting out of London was good for me as well. You know, a different, a different experience. Looking to now look after myself, live live by myself, that kind of stuff. Take care of myself. So, um, again, part of the journey. You know, you're getting a little bit stronger, a little bit more confident within yourself. And I think Kent, I saw as a blank canvas because the, the few games I did play for Surrey. I suppose I played like a man who you knew your your next opportunity could come in five years' time. Yeah, so, right. you know, I didn't, re- I didn't really pick the bat with any intent and, and really flow. So, you know, I had to think about it over the winter when I moved. And I said, well, you know, I actually see Kent now as a blank canvas. Yeah. I can, you know, no one knows me. I can go out and play, you know. And I, I looked around, you know, I was, you know, very, a very, a very, astute student at the game you used to watch the best players like Tanya and Mike Hussies and people like that around you know you used to go and talk to these guys and just pick their brain and yeah. you know looked at someone like Mike Hussey although he was very compact but still put the bad ball away so yeah. you know I knew there was areas to improve and I kept working went to Kent obviously we had two great openers Robert Key Dave Fulton um, sadly Dave Fulton got hit in the eye uh, in pre-senior training so it opened the door, you know, to come and open it, batting with Keezy, which again was great experience. You know, he was, you know, he's been a great player over many years, yeah, great course, run for yeah. um, different sort of personality. But we, we, we made, we, you know, we got on really, really well at the crease. And, you know, I used to sort of watch and learn from him. You know, Matty Walker, again, was a very good county pro. So I had, you know, Mark Elam. So we had, a lot of, you know, a lot of good players around. You know, I enjoyed my time. Again, the first year didn't really nail down any hundreds, if I'll be honest. You know, looked looked good, played some great knocks, but just couldn't get over that that line yeah, um, enough yeah. times. So, came back the second year with a bang. I've got my first, a lot of county players will say you're a proper hundred because it was against the county, but okay, for a boost. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was like London buses, you know, I, I went from, you know, not getting any hundreds, I think my first year, but still averaging best part of 40, to then peeling off 200 back to back. That was, you know, that was, that was, it gave me the confidence. I knew, right, okay, I can play at this level, Yeah. but now it's just how do I make it more consistent so rather than just getting 100 a year 200 a year how can i look at ramps and and john crawley and robert key as i mentioned earlier you know these guys who are punching out you know five and six hundreds a year yeah to kick on and play for england so that again took some time um second year started you know started brightly as i said third year didn't really get much of a go there was you know a lot massive influx of 
South, ex-South African cricketers and a South African coach that came in my last year at Kent. So, yeah. again, the door was shut. Uh, so it was a bit frustrating. I was genuinely playing one-day cricket, white ball cricket, mm. um, doing well. And I think really that's what got me signed with Hampshire. Um, nice. I got some runs against Hampshire. And they were astounded that I wasn't playing in, in, <laughs> in first-class cricket at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, after we severed ties with Kent, you know, I didn't see the sense in staying one more year. It was, you know, it was going to serve for no purpose being under people that are not trying to play for England, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, again, some people, you know, it was at the time where you, players didn't move around as much as this, you know. So, I guess it was, it did probably raise some eyebrows. People were like, what's going on there? Yeah. But, I guess you're doing it for your own reasons. Yeah. And, you know, I had a chat with Hampshire. Luckily, they were still looking around in the market for an opener. At the time, the Rose Bowl wasn't the best of wickets, if you remember that far back. There wasn't many four-day games that went the distance. <laughs> um, you know, you, you could have happily sold your four-day ticket back then. Um, <laughs> got your money back. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't an easy, I realised it wasn't going to be an easy task going there to open, potentially bat in the top order or open the batting, but... I suppose at that stage, really, opportunity, you just want an opportunity to play. Right? Yeah. And that's really, you know, I felt right now, I've done seven, eight years in second team cricket. I know what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm confident. I know my technique. I'm, you know, I just need an opportunity, really. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the thought of, you know, Shane Warne being captain, um, Kevin, Pe- you know, the likes of Kevin Peterson, who were, who were around at the time, who just joined as well. I figured, yeah, look, give it one more shot. I was not just, just on 25 I think at the time and yeah it was probably the last roll of the dice and I, I, I suppose you just get a gut feel that it's going to work out I don't, I don't know why I mean I ended up taking on some big responsibilities at the time I bought my first place in, in, in Hampshire which I still have now oh, cool. and um, yeah it, it, I suppose I just felt I, it, just that feel good factor about, about the place about um, how I fitted in with the team um, and I suppose Shane Warne being your captain, there was no no better man really to, to to you know to go out and play for. I mean, he just gave me every every backing possible, whatever he saw, whether it be a training, well, he was never at training, whether he saw in the bar, <laughs> or or um or you know just maybe the way I went about my work yeah. or, or spoke to the coaches. Um, he, he saw something. Yeah, he saw something. He yeah. said, look, I'm going to put you and Jimmy Adams together. I mean, Jimmy was probably at a similar stage in his career as well. Yeah. Um, he'd been around at the same time as me. And we were probably, you know, we hadn't quite had that breakthrough season. We were, you know, sort of there and thereabouts, but hadn't quite done it yet. So it just worked beautifully. You know, I think we, you know, we complemented each other really, really well that first year. And obviously it was the start of a... You know, a great decade of opening yeah. to grow, really. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at The Broken Trophy and on Instagram at Broken Trophy Pods. And I, and I must say, the questions that we've had sent through, there is obviously a huge amount of fondness for you. Because people will be like, oh, yeah, you got him. It's great. Oh, you know, Hampshire legend. They can't remember you played for other, other places. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's I, I, just, I just discount Leicester. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, because Dan McGuinness is a massive Hampshire fan. He did he did message in and asked about kind of why the hell did Hampshire let you go? But we'll yeah we'll we'll, we'll come to that in due course, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> but um, we 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 we've spoken to quite a few cricketers. Other sports are available, and um, and we met, and all the bowlers have been quite. I found them quite gentle in a way, being honest, until we interviewed Simon Jones last week. And I loved him because he was like, no, I wanted to throw that ball as, as hard as I could. I wanted to hurt the batsmen. I wanted to go at them, break their fingers, break their thumbs, go at them, you know, really. And he was so, and I was like, yes, thank God. Finally got <laughs> bowlers actually being honest to say, bowling this thing at 90 odd miles an hour, all they wanted to do was hurt the batsmen. So that kind of then swings on its side and kind of goes, so as an opener, <laughs> you're walking out knowing you've got potentially two quick you know, two quicks coming at you, especially say in Australia, and they're going to be bowling this thing at ridiculous speeds at you. Is this whole calm, gentle kind of walk out, pretending everything's okay, your heart rate's low, is that actually what it's, what's going on? Or inside are you thinking, 
Oh my god! Oh my god! Here we go. Right. Um, I I enjoyed the challenge. To be honest, I mean that's that's what I live for. That's what I trained for, for you know, fifteen years. Um, for me, I always in my preparation, and it's something that you know I'm very big on again when I, when I do coaching and, and speak to youngsters. You know, I always say, look, my philosophy was to always train like a test cricketer. And worst case scenario, if I don't get there, then I'll be a very good first-class player. So I'm glad, in a way, that that four years I had in the wilderness, um, you know, after my test debut yeah. to getting back in, that I kept my standards very high at training and preparation mm. um, because I think it served me very well on that Ashes tour where, obviously, those were saying, you know, shit hit the fan. Yeah. And, you know, it went wrong from start to finish. But... I think the guys who were able emotionally to, you know, keep things in, in check um, was the key. I mean, I had, for one, I had no emotional baggage against mm. Mitchell Johnson to begin with, so, and, and Ryan Harris. And as I said, I, I, was, I was always up for the challenge. Me and Graham Gooch, you know, became very good, very close friends on that, on that tour because yeah. he was the guy who had continued that work I'd been doing for my coaches at Hampshire over many years and it, I suppose you look when a ball was coming at you at that speed I mean look to say you're 100% calm cool collected I mean <laughs> look, I'll be sitting there lying because you know that look if you'll get this wrong here <laughs> you know it could do some serious damage um, but I think <clears throat> it's, it's, it's having the ability as I said to keep your emotions under, under control because pace can make you do some odd, some odd things you know it can make you become shotless or it can make you become reckless yeah right. i think finding that finding that balance between the two is the key and, and that only really comes from doing that training you know it's like stepping in the ring sparring you know that's why boxers go in there and they spar because you've got to feel the weight of a few punches to know what your threshold is you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um to, to just to just go off you know yeah. to try and play these guys having faced a few half volleys on a bowling machine at <laughs> yeah, yeah, 70 yeah. miles an hour is not really going to serve serve any purpose. But, you know, those are the challenges you want. You want, you want, I've always said, I always wanted the best of whoever's out there at their, at their peak. You know, if you look at my record, you know, not just Mitchell Johnson and Ryan Harris. I mean, I've faced virtually all the quicks of our generation, Sean Tate, Makarantini, um, Jack Callis, Freddie Flintoff, who could get it down pretty quickly. Mm. <laughs> you know, all these guys, Steve Harmison, you know, I've had some great battles with Harmy over the years who used to bowl gas, let me mm. tell you. And again, that's how I always marked myself as to, right, how close am I to playing test cricket? Um, you know, I had to wait behind two great openers as well. So yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was important to keep, you know, keep there and thereabouts and you know, I love I love the pace. I mean, that's 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 the thrill of it. You know, everyone sits forward, doesn't they? When the yeah, genuine yeah, fast bowler yeah. is, is playing or, or comes on, you know, you, you you know you know that week when, when it's like in Cricket, when someone gets signed, and they've got you know, I remember the likes of Shari Baktar when they used to get signed for like yeah. three or four games. You know, suddenly you see people scrambling for the fixture card to see if we if we get you know. Um, and you you notice certain people will be very very quiet that week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, be, yeah, suddenly suddenly the chess guards will be bought and you know, on the machine trying to practice a few hooks and pulls and you know, those kind of stuff. Um, Brilliant. And is there, right. and is, there is there kind of a so this 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 is a, a tangent. I apologise. Friend of mine's a fighter pilot. And he said when he had to eject from the fighter from the his plane, apart from the fact that he knew he'd put fifty million quids worth of plane in the ground that was, you know, taxpayers' money, that aside, the fact that he had to use the parachute, the ejector thing to come out, he said he would often be in conversations with pilots all over the world. And as soon as he realized they'd also ejected, they had like a special look or there was a something that kind of went, Yeah, I've been through that that fear of you know, I'm not saying being open in any way the same way, but is it the same sort of thing around openers where you, you just know because you've been the first ones out there, you face the attack at its most hostile with the, yeah. with the crowd going bananas. Is there a bit of a kind of an openers club kind of thing? You know, even not anything formal, but is there yeah. that kind of thing? 
Yeah, I, I would say there is because I mean it's the toughest place to bat in any in any cricket team, you know. And physically, it's quite a tough job as well. Remember, you you'll be doing all the fielding, <clears throat> and then within once the last wicket goes down, you've got to sprint off to by ten minutes ten minutes time. You're back in the wicket, yeah, trying to make some runs to bat for a day and a half yourself. So you don't if the game goes well for you, you don't get a lot of rest. So you know, fitness massively comes into it. I think. Um, and I think when you yeah, and there's so few good openers around, sadly. Um, I think that's mainly because I suppose now the game's become more attacking and, yeah. and players' techniques have changed now. It's more sort of stand there, you know, in 2020 mode, trying to wallop <laughs> the ball on the up. And, you know, people just have a, a say, not in terms of physical fear of the new ball. I think they're just weary. They, 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 they don't. Defense is understanding. Defense is not their strong point. Um, whereas the openers, I say the openers club. You know, we we know that that's that's batting in its purest form, isn't it? Mm. Because the first I used to, you know, as a life me to a boxing match, the first six rounds, you, you know, you you could be all at sea. You know, playing and missing. You you got to see third man and fine leg as your V. You get a one or two in the middle. But then by about four o'clock, you know, that's where you start to yeah. punish your opponent. You know, that's, you know, players nowadays talk about this word dominate. You know, I want to get out and dominate. And I always say to them, look, dominate to me is when I've, I've worn you down. Now I can start to dominate. When yeah. I'm not going to stand there trying to trade with Andy Joshua in the first six rounds of a fight. That's just, you're just going to get punched. Consistently. Consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got, you've, got to, you've got to be smart, you know. You've got to, you've got to play the smart game and know when to press the go button, when to throttle back because, you know, again, you get through the first new ball. Like I said, you know, there's a second one to yeah. come as well. Yeah. And teams always find that extra, you know, bowlers always seem to find that extra little bit of, of energy on that second new ball. And I would say if, if you can get through that, then you're just licking your lips after that. It's how much you want. You're fighting boredom. You're fighting yourself after that. But you have to yeah. do, yeah. you know, the first, yeah, probably 60, 70 overs, especially in England. You know, this thing yeah. always swings around. It's always doing something. You know, you, you've got you've got to be, you've got to hang in there, really. It says a lot about your approach. I mean, one of the things I wanted to mention or talk about was that incredible um, partnership you have with Neil McKenzie for Hampshire. Uh, against Yorkshire, was it 523? When you talk about grinding down the opponent, I mean, is that yeah. a, a good example of of you batting in that in that way? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it was a lot to prove for me on that innings because it was one of my first innings back from obviously a long-standing uh, lung illness mm. that I had. So I was out of the game for seven months. I really didn't know how it was going to go, to be honest. Um, so it was a kind of well, let's just see. How, how these six games go. I came back for half a season, see how things go, see what where my fitness is at, um, see how my lungs stand up. So to to sort of be batting straight for two two nearly two days um, was yeah I suppose it, it confirmed a lot of things for me that okay well I can still play at this level and I've actually come back a better version than than what I left. But the the it, for me, it was you know that innings. I suppose it, it it eclipsed a lot of things for me. It showed me that I had that temperament to go on and and bat and make those you know bat long innings. Before that, I was making a lot of, a lot of hundreds, yes, mm. um, and could be classed as big hundreds, you know, one fifties and, and above. Um, but I suppose you really go into that special bracket of players when you look around the players who've who, who've been triple centurions, and yeah. you think there are the many. Yeah. And to say, you know, you're 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 one of them, you know, sitting there um in that in that special club. Um yeah, I was very proud of that. I think looking back, it was obviously it was my, my best first class innings to date. Yeah. Um I thought I should have had more if Jimmy didn't declare on me. I was I was going, <laughs> I mean I thought you know, I was, I was still I was still wondering what, what that decision was about even now. We had a thought that we could bowl Yorkshire. I mean, bearing in mind, the ball hadn't passed me and Mackenzie's bat in two days. <laughs> right? But somehow we thought we could bowl out Yorkshire in a session and a half. 
<laughs> so you you tell me who's behind that thinking. <laughs> so, so to answer that answer that young man's question, it was probably the same people that end up getting rid of me. But, I was <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned so you you mentioned the um, the lung clots, and not to get too bogged down in injuries, but I can't tell you how many questions we had about your bloody helmet. So yes, you're a legend. Yes, you've played in the Ashes. Amazing scores. Everything else, no, no one cares. All they want to know about is your helmet. Why you had? A... I don't know. I don't know why. Because that helmet was around so much longer than me. Really? Um, I wasn't even the first to endorse the helmet. Um, Sangakara um, was brought out to begin with. Sang so Sangakara joined AirTech. I think about, what was it? about 2008, seven or eight, around about that time. And, and quite a few players used the helmet. Um, it's just because of the shape of it. It wasn't, obviously, some players who went, I'm not wearing that. Um, but AirTech actually became part of my family um, because of the, the lung illness. Yeah. Um, I had to go on blood thinners, which I'm still on now for life. Yeah. And we needed a more protective helmet and than what I was using at the time. And actually, on the BS standard, AirTech came up top. Right. Not a lot of people know that. So yeah. there was method to my madness. So they kindly modified my helmet, you know, put a little bit of extra foam and padding just in case, you know, I get sconed, which is obviously not, not great for me. Yeah. And um, so life, you know, since, since the, the lung um, illness I had, you know, life changed. I had to yeah. let's say, I had to redefine myself, not only as an athlete, but as a batsman, I had to, you know, I didn't play with a lot of protective equipment, but suddenly I now had to, yeah. play with you know root protectors and, and those kind of stuff and, and certainly make sure that I had a helmet that was you know, that was durable should well, I take a bad blow. But luckily, you know, that never happened. Honestly, I'm genuinely I can't tell you how many people have asked that question about yeah, the helmet. Yeah. Seriously. It does it does amaze me though, because as I say, it, even now like people still write in and on social say, Oh, you know, you're the guy who wore that that strange helmet. And I'm like, but the helmet has been out so long. Um, <laughs> Take it, take it on board. Say, yeah, it was mine. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just go, well, yeah, I was, I was that guy. All <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can say to that, really, it's <laughs> not really. Oh, that's it. Right. <laughs> so we've all, we've asked, we started asking this to other kind of um, cricketers and other sportsmen. You're allowed to. You're playing like a fantasy game of cricket. There's no real rules apart from these. You're allowed to pick four batsmen that you've played with to be yeah. your batsman in this side. Who are you? Who are you playing? Who are you picking? And the four you've played with? Well, I think I think the first one has to be has to be Jimmy. Yeah. We, we obviously batted our whole lives together. It feels. Um, <laughs> I think second on the list would would have to be definitely John Crawley. He was a great great mentor to me in my in my early career at, at, at Hampshire. Um, Neil McKenzie, you know, I enjoyed some some great okay. partnerships. With, uh, with with Neil, hmm. I suppose yeah. I'll, I'll throw I'll throw Vince in. I'll yeah. say throw Yeah, we we we, we did some great. Things. Yeah, we did some great things in 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 white ball cricket in particular. Yeah. I think we, you know, we became quite a dominant force for a number of years. We you know won some some great titles. Yeah. We you know broke some great runs, broke the back of some great great run chases, and and you know we smacked a lot of decent attacks around for. You know, four, five, five, six years there together. So, and um, you know, when he's in full flight, I mean, he's, he's good to watch as well. So, the Broken Trophy Podcast. Give us a follow on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. What 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 do you look back on as being your um your sort of proudest moment in cricket? Because I mean, you know, you obviously won like you mentioned, won a lot of trophies with Hampshire. Um, the the Scorchers, big big bash victory as well, must be a very proud moment as well. What what what's the big moment you look back on and say that that was that was the highlight for me? Um, I think for me it's not it's not necessarily one innings in particular. I think it's my career. It's it, it, it's had some some great highs, but some obviously some very you know, tragic personal things I've had to deal with as well. And I think the proudest thing for me was one being brave enough to come back from those illnesses which yeah. I said you know it goes beyond cricket now this is life you're yeah. talking about you know, your life is under threat and I suppose 
somehow or another, I was always able to come back and become a better version of myself than what I was before. So, um, you know, I think I'm you know, coming back from both illnesses. I've managed to register three figure scores. Yeah. Um, so I guess it, it's not about the scores. It's just the fact that you know it's all the months and weeks leading into rehab and coming back. And you know, will I be the same? Will I be able to do what I used to do? Um, you know, things get harder as you get older. Um, so I was I was pleased at that. Looking back, that and and for me, it's the it's the hallmark of having a successful career and I say this to young people now is you know it's not necessarily the runs and wickets you score that you should judge yourself on how good a player you are it's more about how you come back from adversity how you because you as a sports person you will get knocked down you will get um, disappointments failures left out not selected injured ill, whatever you know mm. break up you know, breakups divorce you know all this is all this is stuff that happens to us is real you know we're real people and you know take bats and balls and stumps away we're real people um it's how you are able to put that to one side and still even though you've been knocked down you can still come back and and come back a better version of yourself i would say is probably my proudest achievement and i think you know i'm going to follow that up now with, with we're basically telling you off if i'm honest so you're one of the few, <laughs> one, of the few one of the few sportsmen I've honestly gone mental at when I was in the car driving somewhere. So I, I, I live, we live in West End, so we used to see you kind of driving about in West End. You're like, oh, it's Michael Carberry. Oh my God. Normally, like Tesco Express or the little kind of kebab shop next to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like to see you around there. Now you're telling all my secrets. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's gone now. That little kebab shop's gone. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it's not there. Yeah, I know. It's not there anymore. Yeah, day oh, I'll tell you what, he, he did the best chicken burgers ever. He, he did. Just I know. I'm just saying. He did. His food was amazing. Normally go from the master builder, a couple of beers, chicken burger, go home. Anyway. <laughs> Obviously, obviously, you didn't because you're an athlete and we're not. But um, so I, I kind of saw you around, and I was like, I was, you know, and I, when you got picked for the Ashes tour, I was quite inspired. I remember kind of, you know, listening to bits of it and watching bits of it, and kind of thinking, yeah, he's done it. He's made it. Like, he's 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 done as well as anybody else, if not better. Yes. And I'm driving. I was actually driving past the Aegeus ground, and he, I could, you know, whatever it was, a news round or whatever it was, came up, and it just went. And it talked about the comments that you'd made about the selectors. I remember it's going, no, no, you're never going to get picked again. For fuck's sake, no, don't, don't, please tell me you haven't said that. Because deep down, I kind of knew once you said that, that's it. They're just, they're, they're never going to let you back in the fold. Because did you, or did you, or did you, or to flip it around a little bit, did, did you feel like it was over after that, that Ashes series? I mean, how, you know, I know you mentioned about how bad a sort of experience, or not bad experience, but do you know what I mean? That it was such a tough series mm. to play in. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. What, what was it like coming out the back of it? Yeah, no, look, you know what, what, what I had to say. Look, I'm a, I'm a real person. You know, I, I, I have no fear of the ECB or anyone in the ECB because at the end of the day, you take away test runs and wickets and and whatever. They are just Andy Flower, Andrew Strauss, Paul Downton, whoever was involved in the time. And there's a right way and a wrong way to deal with people. All right, and the way England handled me um, was abysmal, as far as I see it. I mean, yeah, look, the series went the way it was, and it wasn't my, it, you know, it wasn't just my doing that we lost. Um, actually, to be honest, I think I've ended up second top run scorer. Yeah, yeah, you were. I checked on our side. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, at, at 30, nearly 35 or whatever I was, you know, I felt, look, I needed, I needed to know where I'm going with this. Um, so I remember, you know, being part of the one day squad and just basically touring around mixing Powerade. And, mm. you know, with all due respect to, you know, Cookie and Belly, I mean, we were getting off to very, very slow starts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was in great form in white ball cricket at, at the time. And we just didn't change anything. We just kept, playing the same team or over and over. We're leaving it to Papara, Morgan and Butler at the end to try and scrape together 200 and the Aussies were just whack it in 20 overs. Yeah. Um, so when it got to the last game, I remember sitting down with Ashley Giles and I said, look, Ashley, where, where am I going with this really? Like, what, 
am I am I close? Am I not? You know, I got runs in a warm up game. Didn't get a sniff, and he just basically palmed me off. Oh, I don't really know. I'm not sure of my own job, and this, this, and this. And there was too much of that for me in that setup at the time. It was too much of coaches worrying about their own job rather than doing their job as a coach, which yeah. is to inform their players as to where they stand. And that's all I wanted to know. Look, I know you can't guarantee me that I'm going to play. I just want to know, well, look, am I close? Am I not? Um, so when we got back to England, um, you know, look, I think a lot, a lot of things, I'm not a massive social media person. And I think I'm, I'm glad for that almost because things do get, mixed up and um, misconstrued. Uh, I was approached by a journalist and asked, have you, he saw that another team had been, you know, a completely new team had been picked. They'd gone to the Caribbean. Um, I actually saw them out there because I was on pre-season tour with Hampshire. And I wasn't in it. And they found it amazing that, you know, as I said, me and James Vince were dominating white ball cricket. You know, I've done the double in 2012, you know, all, we almost, all but did the double-double in 2013. And we're comfortably one of the best white ball teams going around. Um, and it found it amazing that I could not make a team that weren't winning at the time, in the England team, that, were, that weren't winning. Yeah. So I said, well, no, I haven't heard anything. Um, they just, I, I, I'm like you, I watched the TV and I saw my, t- my name wasn't in it. So... Wow. Off I went to pre-season tour with Hampshire. Saw actually Giles out there. He saw me. And all the rest of the guys came over and obviously gave me a hug. And, how you doing, mate? And I'm sorry you didn't get in. And this, this. We couldn't believe it. Graham Thorpe, who was the batting coach, I was in there for my sorry days. And then he's come over and he's tried to console me a bit. He said, look, mate, I'm sorry. Actually, Giles just scarped. Didn't, didn't bother coming over. Left. So that's, that's, that's stuck in my mind. So... When asked by this journalist, look, I, I have no, I, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm, I'm not that kind of person to, I, I speak my mind. That's what I do, mm. right? I'm very confident in who I am as a person. Yeah. As I say, cricket is a job. We all do it and then we retire. So it, it doesn't define me as a person. Um, yes, it's what I did. Yes, it's probably what I'd be known for, but it doesn't define me. So therefore, I've done my, as I, you know, I was explained to you guys through the podcast, you know, I felt I'd done my dues yeah. in this game. 30, 35 years old and I've had bigger fights than cricket in my life. So I don't have to bow and stoop to anybody just to keep my job. Um, I, in fact, it, it, it was, it was a, the ability to be able to have closure, if anything, to say, well, okay, if you're not going to pick me because of what I said, and then that's on you. That's not on me. That's then I know it's certainly not from a lack of performance. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I know. You know, I was pissed off that Bransgrove opened his trap as well and said that what was what was I doing to save things like that. But again, these people don't understand my fight yeah. and what my fight has been in this game. Rod has only in fairness seen me for the last. 10 years of my career. He had no knowledge of what I had to go through the first yeah, yeah. 10 years of my career or eight years of my career. As I said, it was a struggle from start to finish. All right. So why then do I feel I have to sit there drinking salt water? What for? If, if I call a spade a spade, if, if I don't agree with something, I'll tell you, hmm. we either, we either agree to disagree or we, you know, that's, that's how it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if 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 people got offended by what I said, you know, the England hierarchy, I think it was it was a bit more than that. It was because I wouldn't obviously yeah. sling mud with them and, and on Kevin Pearson and things like that. You know, you know, it's amazing they didn't mention the fact that they tried to accuse me and Kevin of having a fight or an altercation, and yet to this day, no one's phoned me to ask me about this fight. I had no knowledge of this fight, and neither did Kevin. Oh, wow. so so there was a lot more. That's what I say. There's a lot more to to this story all right all right i've forgiven you all right i've forgiven you it's fine i'll I'll let you off this just just once though don't do it again um... you're safe in that knowledge mate don't worry (laughs) the broken trophy podcast catch us on twitter at the broken trophy and on instagram at broken trophy pod what you were saying earlier about the um you know being sort of frozen out of the england setup and and all that i mean you look at the game now and it's they're playing that sort of brand of cricket that certainly the white ball 
um, England teams playing that sort of brand of cricket that Hampshire sort of were sort of renowned for, like you said at the, at the start of the last decade. I mean, it, right. it kind of has caught on, hasn't it? In in, in some respects, they they have completely made an about turn in terms of how they play their cricket. Mm. Yeah, um, but again, these these are the things that if you remember going back years ago, myself, Ken Peterson, Michael Lum, you know, all, all us guys were chomping at the bit to go and play in these tournaments around the world. Owen Morgan, you know, I know was again someone that was, you know, very keen, you know, had had some stints in IPL. And it was a very frustrating time because we could only go for a certain period of time. Yeah. Sometimes one, two games and then we've got to come back for just nothing really. Yeah. No, there was nothing specific we had to come back for for fitness day or something like that. Like, you know, you can't replace the experience of playing amongst and in those tournaments. You know, I, I never got, sadly, I never got to play in the IPL, but, mm. you know, I know certainly from my time in the Big Bash League, I mean, you know, the the atmosphere, the the whole razzmatazz around it, the pressure, you know, it, it's it's on par with international cricket for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's just that... for someone... Hmm? Sorry, no, I was just going to say, I mean, it's that... You're right. I mean, it's, the timing is everything in, in sport and in life in general. I mean, there's such a, a key change in in cricket in general, wasn't there, with the start of the franchise system and stuff. Yeah. And you're right about yeah. the ECB were totally resistant towards that until that disastrous World Cup in 2015, really. Yeah, they were just stubborn, really. They wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to constructive criticism. And that's, it's a generic thing through cricket, really, is that people don't listen to the people in the know. You know, the game, even in my time, across 20 years, as I said, playing one-day cricket in 98, was vastly different to now playing yeah. the game we see now, right? Yeah. Where you got to 200, 220, that was a good score. Mm. You know, you were happy with that in, like, in the late 90s, early noughties. Mm. Even when 2020 first came around in 2002, three, no one knew how to play it. You know, mm. people were getting to 130 and thought, oh, that's a good score. And then suddenly, you know, the, you know, someone like Alistair Brown, you would just go out and go crazy. And, you know, you could suddenly get the 150 and everyone's going, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know? Whereas now if you get 150, you're sort of chewing nails, aren't you? You're sort of thinking, mm, yeah, yeah, think yeah. it's competitive. You hear our commentators say it's competitive. Yeah. You know, you're really now looking upwards of 180, hmm. 200, 220. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, one bloke's got 180, Chris Gale, on his own. <laughs> you know, in a 2020 game. So that, just to show you, the bar's always getting, you know, the, the, the bar's always been pushed higher and higher and higher. Batsmen have more shots, they have less fear. Yeah. Um, the game has changed. And I and I saw that yeah. you know, over my time is that, you know, yeah, playing with Hampshire and the way we played, that's why we won t- trophies. Because before that, we weren't doing that well in one-day cricket mm. um, when I first came. You know, we, we didn't really have guys who could consistently keep hitting it out of the park. Or well, we, we probably didn't train that way, yeah, I would yeah. say. We probably yeah, had it in us. We just didn't didn't train that way. We didn't have a method, a plan. Yeah. And then I remember, you know, uh, when Giles took over in 2009, after Paul Terry left, and he, he, you know, he said, look, how do you want to play this? And I said, I, and I remember one, I was one of the guys who sat down with Giles. I said, look, I think we just got to redefine how we how we prepare. I think we just got to go in and just play brand and the cricket that people are just not going to expect. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure other guys, Sean Irvines and other senior pros who were around at the time, Dimi Mascarenas would have echoed the same thing. Yeah. And you saw guys, you know, even young Vince and, and Dawson, who wasn't the biggest hitter of the ball, but would be out there practicing range hitting. And suddenly, with a bit of intent, we said, right, the openers are just going to go. I mean, Jimmy Adams was probably, for me, the biggest you know, the biggest change. I mean, I, mean, I batted with Jim, as I say, first three or four years. Great opening batsman, you know, as dependable as they come. And then suddenly he comes back from Australia with this jumping high uh, back lift technique that I'm, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> you know, and then he, 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 cream, he creams the record, I think record amount of runs in a, in a, in a season, I think yeah. seven, six or seven hundred runs in the seat and we end up winning the trophy so you know it, it, the game the game has to evolve is yeah. what I'm saying and you have to move with the times and I, I was reading in prep for this interview and the final um, of the, the big bash final that you guys were in at, when you were at Perth and you were facing Brett Lee and then you scooped a four off Brett Lee first ball of that over in the, in the yeah. final of the big bash 
Right. Uh, you're talking about the changing dynamics of batting. If, yeah. if, anything, if anything sums that up, it's that, isn't it? <laughs> That's insane. Brett Lee. Well, listen, I, 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 always, I always said, look, I, I, I could never really play those shots, to be honest. Oh. I, I, yeah, it just wasn't him at Arsenal, to be honest. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I, I think it was, it, I suppose every dog has his day. And I suppose after all the hours and hours of practice, what, I had to get one right, surely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no better place to do it in the final, I suppose. Um, no, it was, I mean, it was, you know, it was the most logical. I mean, Brett was just getting Yorkers in beautifully. Um, and you know, he's obviously bowling his last ball in professional cricket. Um, we needed, I think, seven. I think yeah. seven or eight. Um, I'd been running my tits off for Sean Marsh. I was covered in dirt and dust and... Uh, and everything, but he then got out, so I had to take it. For, I had to take us home. So it, you know, Monaco was quite a big round straight, but a small square. So Brett was never going to give me some, you know, something to put my hands through. So I, I said, right, I've got to, I've got to somehow try and use the pace. So yeah. I saw he brought my leg up because obviously, I think from watching me through the tournament, I had <laughs> never got down, and especially not the whack, I would have got hit in the teeth. Um, so I just thought, I thought, right, I'm going to, I've seen fine leg up in corner of my eyes, right, I'm going to try and, I know he's going to go Yorker and probably a little bit wider. Um, so I just sort of wandered across and just thought, oh, here we go. It's that nice feeling when you, oh, you hear that clean, you feel that clean contact and you, you hear the crowd go mad. <laughs> You sort of look. Oh, right. Yeah, no and problem. Was, it was all. Yeah, no one expect. No one expected it. Um, so, do you, let when, alone, just let alone me. Just on that, I mean, when you see that that as an option, you're thinking, how am I going to get this four? You need a boundary in that last over of the fight. I mean, do you, do you sort of see the gap and then, but try not to look at it to make it obvious? I mean, is there a bit of cat and mouse involved? Yeah, well, I think to be honest, I think one day, certainly one day cricket, but I mean, in all batting, really, I think all. All the good players really just you just see the gaps when you're in when you're in form you don't see fielders you just see the gaps yeah and you just it's almost like you just have it programmed in the computer right he bowls here I'm going to hit him over here he bowls there I'm going to whack him over here mm. he bowls short I'm going to pull him here I'm going to back you know we need a boundary right he's called cover up I'm going to show him my stumps and try and hit him slice him over point you're always looking for the gaps you know you look at someone like Joss Butler back yeah and you know I've spoken to Joss. Over my, you know, brief stint I had in a one-day team, and you know, he very much. But you can see, just someone who just really looks at the gaps and tries to just mess with the field. So mm. we all know his power down the ground, but you also know he's famous for getting the ball up and over. You know, he can hit sixties behind him. So yeah. bowlers know that. So straight away, that 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 box that they can land in looks very very small, and they, and that's pressure to keep trying to land the ball at someone that knows one you can whack you at the ground in front of the pitch. He's good on the short ball. And if you get too full and you call your fielders from behind up, he can get you over there as well. Yeah. But that's, to these young guys now coming through the game, I mean, they're born into that. You know, yeah. This, yeah, they, they don't have that fear. Yeah. Um, players, players of my generation, we, we kind of had to learn this stuff um, in terms of how to get the ball behind and the scoops and the wrap. And then certain players, it just suited certain players. It, you know, I look at someone like Vera Coley, he doesn't play ramps and scoops um, yeah. I would say I'm very sort of similar not in obviously in the same class bracket but very similar in the way where we hit the ball where we, we try to play conventional cricket and my greatest strength was my power hitting long and hitting hitting um, and on, the, on the short ball yeah sport not a sport right so we've asked everybody else this so we've got a list of of Potentially, what are sports and not a sport? Mm. And it's caused more controversy than anything else, even even your uh, England statement. So, it's, um, <laughs> we've got a list here. So, if you can tell us whether you think it's a sport or not a sport. A sport or not a sport, okay. So, easy one to start off with, poker. Yeah, that's a sport. Ooh, well, I think oh, you're the first one. Controversial. Um, darts. Yeah, that's a sport. Table tennis. Definitely a sport. Yeah. Snooker. Yes. Uh, gymnastics. Yes, it's a sport. Lawn bowls. It's at the Olympics, so I'm going to say it's a sport, yeah. Okay. Archery. Yeah, same, sport. Synchronised swimming. Yes. Fishing. No. Oh, finally, we've got one. Wow. Right, <laughs> and then, 
randomly has come up from, from like a BBC One documentary, Stone Skimming. No, definitely not. <laughs> probably, probably best you don't meet Chris Jordan then, because he's definitely, you know, that is a sport. <laughs> He was all over it. When we yeah, mentioned yeah, it, he was like, oh, yeah, he's seen that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we, we asked it thinking he'd say no, and suddenly he went, no, 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 we used to let Barbados all the time. You have to count how many times it... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we do it. Yeah, we do, I mean, yeah, we, we do it in the sea, yeah, for sure. I didn't, I didn't know it was an actual event or sport. Yeah. Yeah, turns out it is. Who knew? World Championships in Scotland, isn't there, or something? There is, well, yeah, yeah. Insane. Yeah. Who, who knew? But, um, yeah, so a massive thank you to Chris for, to Chris Tremlett, I think it was, who nominated you. Is that Indeed. right, Tom? Yeah, it was. Um, Chris Tremlett nominated you, Carbs. And w just before we let you go, we would like to ask if you would like to nominate somebody else, you know, within the realms of sport. Could be cricket, could be another sport um, that you'd like to see come on a, a future episode of our pod. Um, I'm going to nominate Lewis McManus. Okay, good shout. Good shout. Yeah. Current wiki. Good luck. Yeah, he's a good lad. Yeah. Nice one. Well, listen, thank you so much for your for your time today, Carl. Absolutely brilliant chat. No really good insight. Thank you very much, no mate. No problem, guys. Thanks for having us on. All the best, mate. Thank you.